Hi everyone, I'm Kiana, and I'd like to welcome you to Toronto Nature Now, brought to you by CJRU 1280 AM in Toronto and the Toronto Field Naturalists. The Toronto Field Naturalists are a volunteer-run, non-profit nature conservation organization, connecting people with nature and wildlife in the Toronto area. Today, I'm talking to Jose Tarcal and Michelle Lonechild, who are here to talk about Rainscape, TO. Jose holds a Master in Civil Engineering and has over eight years of experience working in urban sustainability and public space across six different countries. Jose is focused on supporting the global movement towards sustainable communities and has a strong commitment to collaborate across sectors and organizations to address climate change and improve our cities, starting from the community. Prior to joining Rainscape TO, Jose was a program manager in the Sustainable Neighborhoods team at the Toronto and Region Conservation Authority, or the TRCA. Michelle is Nehiao, Plains Cree, and Anishinaabe, Ojibwe. Her spirit name is Shining Woman and is Wabiseshi Dodum, Martin Clan. Michelle's admiration to her First Nations lands instinctively influenced her to start indoor and balcony gardening when she moved to Tuckeronto so she could be surrounded by nature. Michelle had experimented over a decade growing her favorite flowers first, then evolved into growing vegetables and fruits as well. Michelle has successfully obtained her garden design certificate from George Brown before and throughout the pandemic, and has proudly been with Rainscape TO since spring 2022. A quick note before we get into the episode, I'd like to apologize for saying Rainscape Toronto instead of Rainscape TO throughout the episode. I'm really sorry about that. Here's what Michelle and Jose had to say. So hi, Jose, and hi, Michelle. How are you guys doing? Great, thank you. Good, thank you for having us. Thank you so much for joining me. And so today we're gonna talk about Rainscape Toronto. And my first question is, what does eco-landscaping mean? Um, Eco-landscaping, I believe it's a science of studying and improving um, the relationship between the ecological uh, process and the environment. Yeah, eco-landscaping is really, as Ms. Michelle said, it's about relationships with, with the land, with the ecosystem, with, with wildlife. Uh, eco-landscaping for us means not only considering the uh, people as part of the garden, so Usually gardens are designed to satisfy people's needs, like the homeowner or the tenant needs, in terms of colors, textures, components. And for us, that's only one piece of the puzzle. The other pieces are infiltrating the rainwater where it falls as much as possible so it doesn't run off into the sewer system and into and end up in the lakes and rivers, polluting them. But also attracting pollinators, using native plants, um, contributing to biodiversity, etc. So it's it's more about um, working with nature and trying to mimic nature cycles. That's great. Thank you. Uh, Jose mentioned like the rain and attracting pollinators. So I was wondering what you guys do specifically to service those things or to put those things into eco-landscaping. Um, we specialize in rain gardens that is specifically designed to capture and retain um, and manage the rain on your property. 
um, by using the native plants and pollinators um, that helps um, enhance the local ecosystem. Yeah, so um, as Michelle said, rain gardens are one of the one of our preferred tools because they just allow you to manage water in your property instead of just letting it run off. And what we do is that um, we create like a shallow depression in your yard. So water lingers longer and we plant the depression with native plants according to the conditions of your yard. So depending whether you have sun or, or shade, whether uh, it's clay or it's uh, a more sandy soil. And then also at the bottom of the rain garden, the bottom of the bowl, we plant wet tolerant species, the same that you would find in a wetland. And then as you go higher up in the bowl, like around the edge of the garden, we plant drought tolerant plants that, um, that tend to, they are gonna be uh, dry most of the time as water goes to, to the bottom. So just the, the good thing about rain gardens is that you manage to achieve all these things that we discussed before, like managing rainwater, attracting pollinators, increasing biodiversity, etc. You can you can achieve all of those um, objectives uh, uh, at once because because the rain garden itself obviously it's fed by rain and manages rain, but also we only use or mostly use native plants that per se uh, contribute to the ecosystem, attract pollinators, butterflies, birds, etc. Um, so it's that's why we like them so much is because we are able to meet many objectives while obviously servicing as well and uh, people who are going to be using the garden and enjoying the garden. Great. Thank you. That sounds really interesting. Um, and so you kind of explained what a rain garden is, but do you want to add anything else to what a rain garden is? So yes, we do dig a small or actually it can be any size and shape um, determined by the yard. Um, and the client. Um, it has to be approximately 10 feet away from the foundation of the house, just in case um, there's any flooding issues. Yeah, like Jose said, we do plant plants inside um, the rain garden that helps infiltrate and absorb the water. Um, it helps clean it just in case it does overflow and does prevent um, pollution and all of that. Yeah, we basically just use the e-show um, that comes from the water flow coming off the roof. Uh, we adjust that into the inflow, yes. We use a lot of pebble rock um, to help the flow of water in the inflow and the outflow. Yeah, so yeah, the, the same that Michelle said, so there are different components, but basically the way that the a small channel for water to get into the yard, into the rain garden, so we could get water from the downspot, as he said, and then directing into the garden, uh, the bowl shape area, which is like the main rain garden component is what you see most clearly when you see a rain garden. And then the overflow. So when you have really heavy rain events or back-to-back -back storms, the soil is saturated and maybe it can't absorb all the water. So if it keeps raining, we have a heavy storm, you want to make sure that water overflows uh, under control. So there's no erosion or water doesn't end 
end up in your neighbors or in your driveway, etc. So for that, we create another channel with River Rock to direct the excess water to, to another spot, being a tree or being just the, the street gutter. And the idea is that the overflow only should work during or after extreme events. So the rest of the year, there shouldn't be any overflow. All water should stay within your rain garden, will linger for a few hours, and then it will it will infiltrate. Cool. Thank you. And so what do you need to implement these rain gardens? Uh, well, we need to implement them. Um, we basically just need to dig um, a pit, a shallow pit, um, and have, yes, the eavesdrow extend into there. The native plants and the pollinators are selected by us, but we also create a palette to show the client and the client is able to agree or adjust. Uh, we also ask them if they have any particular um, interests in certain plants, um, colors and whatnot. Um, so we do work with the client through every step to make sure that they're um, satisfied in their garden and the project that we we're doing. So yeah, we just make sure that it is, like I said, 10 feet away from the foundation to prevent any flooding in the, in the house. Um, yeah, we do use a lot of pebble rock. We do mend the soil. Um, if there's any correction that we need to do, like if it's a little bit too clay, um, we are able to add soil and fertilizer. Um, we use all natural cedar mulch as well um, that is used around the berm. Um, the berm is just like a little ledge or a tiny little mound that's around the rain garden to prevent it from overflowing on the sides. It's pretty simple, but it's really, it's a really fun process to do. And it's really great to see the outcome um, at the end of it. Yeah. And just to add, as Michelle said, that any shape is any size and any shape is is good for your rain garden. So there are no limitations for it. Sometimes we have the we we hear there is a misconception about needing out of space or or needing almost like a pond in your jar, and is that's not the case. Uh, ideally, the rain garden should be twenty to thirty percent the area of the roof that is contributing to it. So you have, for example, a roof with two areas, one going to the front yard and one going to the backyard. You should take the specific area of the roof, depending on where you are installing the rain garden. And then 20 to 30% of that area is what you need. Um, obviously, in a dense city like Toronto, we work a lot, for example, in the annex, where it may be hard sometimes to get 30% or even 20% of the roof area. So we we try to compensate going a bit deeper. And also we always tell homeowners that even if you don't get to 20% and you do 15% or 10%, whatever you do is gonna be better than, than having grass or not having anything. So you can only um, improve the situation. It won't, it won't never be contraindicatory. It was always a, a benefit. And the other thing that we hear as well as a bit of a misconception is that People think that there might be issues with mosquitoes, uh, with rain gardens. And again, that's not the case because it's it's almost like a mosquito trap because rain gardens, well, when well-designed and implemented, should rain within 
at max 10, 12, 14 hours from the from the last event, last rain event. And mosquitoes need like a week to hatch. So, so this is like a trap because uh, all the water will be infiltrated and and will be dry and the mosquitoes won't be able to hatch. So just saying that there are a few misconceptions out there about rain gardens and they need uh, the, the, the infrastructure they need or the issues they can have. But um, mostly it's just really a really natural and simple solution that, that you can adopt at your, at your house. Thank you. I love that it's like a positive thing, no matter if you can get up to the 20% or 30% or not. And so my next question is, why are rain gardens important for climate change? We think they're important first because it's a really tangible solution. So, you know, as we tend to talk about climate strategies or even climate change as a, as the issue it is, um, it's quite abstract and it seems sometimes over, overwhelming because it's like, okay, where can I start? And do I have anything to contribute in such a huge problem? So it, it tends, yeah, it can be overwhelming. It can be a bit depressing. And uh, I mean, for, for good reasons, but I think a ring garden or a garden in general <clears throat> are a way to start taking action within your, within your community, within your proximity. And as we said before, just because you are infiltrating rainwater, increasing the amount of carbon capture in your yard, biodiversity, pollinators, reducing the heat island effect. Like there are so many benefits that you are achieving. And most import importantly, you are doing it yourself. So you are kind of getting your hands dirty. You are, you see it's tangible. So from the day you plant the trees or the shrubs or the plants, you start seeing a change, start seeing a result. It's not abstract. It's not something that you have to kind of believe on. It's happening in front of you. Michelle can tell you more, but sometimes we plant and we see birds and butterflies arriving at, at the site even before we are done and so yeah it's 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 a way to cope with all this uh, eco anxiety and depression and and the overwhelming aspect of of the problem because it's tangible is it's local it's simple and you can yourself see the 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 changes from day one so we do feel that it's a, re a really great tool in addition to obviously getting um some sunlight, fresh air, some physical activity. So it's great for mental health overall as well. Yes, it's actually really uh, rewarding to see the process of the yard. It starts out as um, pretty much almost like nothing. And then once we're going through like all the steps and building the garden, just knowing um, that you're doing good, you're going to be contributing, helping the bees and the birds. Yes. And also... Uh, helping protecting the rivers and the lakes from pollutants that run off because apparently stormwater is like one of the key factors um, to polluting the rivers and lakes. So it's a small step, but it feels um, really great. The more that people are requesting uh, rain gardens. And yes, through last season, while we were planting, it was very nice to see um, the bees the types of bees that come automatically, like even before the plant is planted, they're all buzzing around. And then once we're completed the yard, um, showing the client, all the birds, yes, do seem really interested in their new landscape. <laughs> 
So that's a good feeling. Yes, it's really great to help uh, contribute to our ecosystem and make a positive change slowly but surely. Thanks. I love that. I love that all like the bees and the butterflies and the birds, they're they're coming and they're ready to party with the with Rainscape Toronto. <laughs> um, and so one of my last questions is what makes Rainscape Toronto different to other landscaping contractors? We always like to say to our clients and partners that we are part of the ecosystem. So and we are really happy to be part of an ecosystem of organizations, uh, businesses partners, funders, people in general that are really moving uh, moving us into the right direction in terms of being more in tune with, with our ecosystems and bringing more sustainable practices to landscaping, but also to human resources, to training, to transportation, suppliers. So it's, it's a great movement happening in Toronto and happening probably worldwide and we are just happy to be part of it so we don't get it's not our credit it's just a movement and we just do our little our little contribution uh, we are from the outside we are like a regular contractor so we have you know a pickup truck we have our our tools our plants soil our office etc etc with obviously WSIB insured and all that stuff that you need to operate from the inside though we are quite different so we are an employment social enterprise so employments employment social enterprises are organizations can be for profit or not for profit in our case we are not for profit uh, so our, the organization that in addition to having uh, economic and environmental targets which in our case are clear like economic means survive so making making uh, covering our expenses and, and, and making the business uh, sustain over time. And then environmental are clear for us is about the amount of water we infiltrate and the amount of green spaces that we are renaturalizing with native species. So these two are, are already something, but then we also have a social, um, a social component which comes from providing meaningful and well-paid employment. So we focus on, on providing um, opportunities for career pathways in the landscaping industry for BIPOC communities and in particular indigenous youth. So as I said before, we have obviously financial and environmental mar uh, targets, but the social is as important as the, as the other two. So we have to report to our funders and donors on on how we are achieving the mission that, that we say we want to achieve. So that makes us a bit different. Again, that's more like a from in, the inside. If you look at us from the outside, we are like another contractor. Um, but I, I should say that, and maybe Michelle can, can tell us more about this, but I, I've seen that for us, the relationships with, with clients it, it almost becomes more like a partnership rather than a contract because we feel that people are coming to us with that same value system. So it's really great to see that so many people in the city are really trying to take action on their yard and are aligned not only with environmental uh, objectives but also with social so people who want to see social justice and 
and truth and reconciliation, etc., etc. So for us, it's been we've been operating since 2016, but we see that more and more there's a, a bigger alignment across across the board between partners, clients, suppliers. So yeah, and and Michelle joined Venscape TO last year as a crew member, and she she stayed with us and she's she's continued working this year as a Nicole landscaping lead. I think what kind of sets us a little bit different is our focus on um, rain gardens as well and the actual use of just native species that support pollinators. We also do not use like a lot of machinery power tools uh, if it's not really uh, needed. For one instance, if it's like a huge site and there's like a huge hedge that needs to be trimmed, um, we may use um, the trimmer. Um, but in most cases, uh, we do hands-on work only. And we don't use chemical fertilizers or pesticides. I think we've used the vinegar and water solution. Um, that seemed to work pretty good. We yeah, our training. It's fairly easy. We do a lot of training on learning about the pollinators, about all those species. I found it to be like a really positive um, experience um, last season. I think the most enjoyable part of it was just seeing how happy the clients were um, once we succeeded all of our jobs that we've done. So yeah, I think that's what makes us stand out a little bit different from the other um, landscaping companies. Great. Thank you. I love how strong your, I guess, inner relationships are. Thank you so much for talking with me today and teaching the listeners about Rainscape TL. Yes, thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Jose Torcal and Michelle Lonechild for talking with me today. Another reminder, they're from Rainscape TO. I'd also like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Anyone out there who'd like to get involved with the Toronto Field Naturalists can visit their website at torontofieldnaturalists.org. Again, that's torontofieldnaturalists.org. Shout out to Paul Overy, the show coordinator, and once again, I'm Kiana for CJRU. And this has been Toronto Nature Now. Make sure to tune in next time 